What up, what up? I want to welcome you all back to the Socks and Sandals podcast where society, culture, history, and religion collide and we unapologetically discuss our worldviews. It's your boy Emmanuel. I'm back in the kitchen. I'm whipping it up. And in this episode, I'm bringing to you all session one of the Black Voices Candidates Forum that happened on March 24th, 2018 here in Portland, Oregon at Maranatha Church. Um, the Black Voices United this is a, a group, a collective, but it is the brainchild of Miss Nicole Watson. And y'all may have heard that name. She was on a previous episode of African American Excellence, you know what I mean? That had some of the movers and shakers, just people that I really admire that's doing good work in Portland. Um, so uh, y'all check out that episode if you haven't already done so. But um, man, shout out to Nicole, shout out to Ezell. And everyone that was a part of it, the whole steering committee, um, uh, Lakeitha Elliott, Jamila Singleton Munson, Natasha Coleman, Yvette Davis, Ali Martin, Paula Bird. Uh, is it Janicia or Janicia Shelton? I, I apologize. I'm, I might have chopped up your name. But Miss Shelton, we appreciate you. Um, but yeah, so this session, session one, was moderated by none other than Shabri Vickers, another person that was on the podcast previously for African-American excellence. Um, and this session highlighted the candidates for Multnomah County Commissioner District 2. So that was Maria Garcia, Sushila Jayapal, Bruce Broussard, and Ms. Sharon Maxwell. So uh, without further ado, we're going to hop into it. Um, it starts out with Shabri kind of uh, setting the tone, giving them their first question. And then uh, I apologize. I, I missed a part of the very first person um, doing their thing, which was Sharon Maxwell. Um, but we're going to get right to it. And here we go. Session one. Okay. So question one, I'm going to give a little framing here for everyone. So according to the Multnomah County website, county commissioners adopt policies sit as budget committee, review and amend the executive budget, hold hearings, and adopt the county budget. They act as liaisons to departments, advisory boards, and commissions, make changes in administrative departments, fill vacancy in elected offices, and adopt labor, labor agreements. So during the next two minutes, please share with us why you're running for this county commissioner position, and what special strengths do you believe you would bring to the county? More specifically, what differentiates you from other candidates running for the same seat? Once again, y'all, I apologize. I missed probably the first 45 seconds to a minute of this um, between Shabri asking a question and then the candidate responding and giving their answer. So uh, we're going to punch right in. All right, here we go. You look inside your heart, you don't have to be afraid of what you are. There's an answer if you reach into your soul, and the sorrow that you know will melt away. And when a hero comes along, with the strength to carry on and you cast your fears aside and you know you can survive 
And when you feel like hope is gone, look inside yourself and be strong. And you finally see the truth that a hero lies in you. I believe the children are the future. Teach them well and let them lead the way. Show them all the beauty they possess inside. Give them a sense of pride to make it easier. Let the children's laughter, let it remind us how we used to be. Sharon Maxwell, businesswoman, and I have a track record of results. Thank you. All right. Sushi, would you like a question again? During the next two minutes, please share with us why you are running for the county commissioner position and what special strengths do you believe you bring to the county? More specifically, what differentiates you from other candidates running for the same seat? Thank you so much, and thank you to Black Voices United for putting this on. Thank you all for being here so early in the morning. Um, it's really a pleasure to, to share with you why I'm running. I want to tell you a little bit about myself. I'm Sushila Jayapal. Um, I'm an immigrant. I came to the U.S. when I was 16 to go to college. That was in 1979, 40 years ago. And I still remember that first day here in the United States, standing on a train station surrounded by my baggage. Um, I have never felt so short, so brown, and so sweaty. I was dressed for a Pennsylvania winter at the end of August. Um, that was a long time ago. I've spent 24 of those last 40, 40 years here in Portland, all in District 2. My children grew up here. They graduated from Grant High School. In my time here, I've been an attorney and a community advocate. Um, in all of my work, working with organizations like Planned Parenthood, the Portland Schools Foundation, All Hands Raised, the Regional Arts and Culture Council, I have focused on moving towards equity and social justice at All Hands Raised, which supports our public schools, I insisted on making racial equity our first priority in our work. At the Regional Arts and Culture Council, I shifted funding from large mainstream arts organizations in order to invest money in arts organizations serving communities of color. I felt that work, but the 2016 election was a call to figure out how I could move more deeply. That combined with real urgency about what we're seeing in our community, that's why I'm running. And what we are seeing is too many people struggling to stay housed, to keep and keep jobs, to find health care, and to hold their place in this community. That's why I'm running. I feel urgency about that, about making it better for the folks who are being pushed out. And those folks are largely, we know, black and brown and immigrant and refugee. I bring my skills in moving large systems. I bring my passion and my drive. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Next to Maria, would you like me to read? state the question? Okay, great, Maria. Buenos dias. I like to always honor my mother language and recognize those um, land takers that are not here present with us and recognize that the conquista continues even this day today for all communities. 
Abraham Lincoln, in the Gettysburg Address, talk about a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. What we are lacking right now across the nation is the connection between government and the people. We are disconnected from the decisions makers, from the decisions that are um, determining our lives. There's a big disconnection, there's a big gap right now. Because we are, because we are disconnected, we don't have faith in our leaders anymore. We are doubtful of their ethics and their um, connection with our community of the results that, that they're providing. We're disconnected. I was born and raised in Mexico City. I moved to this country when I was 18 years old with my daughter. She was two years old in that time. Um, I was born in Mexico City. I know what it is, how um, this connection looks like. It is called um, corruption, dishonesty. I live it, I experience, I came to this country looking for better economic opportunities, for stability, uh, for prosperity, for my family. I know what it is to be undocumented. I know what it is to be a teen mother. I was 16 years old when I had my daughter. I know what it is to work three jobs and not being able to be the parent that I wanted to be for my, for my daughter. I know what it is the struggle of um, not having enough money at the end of the month. But here I am today as a successful business owner, as a co-chair of the New Portlanders Policy Commission and its representative for the Sanctuary City Task Force. Here I am as a community member trying to serve my community. Thank you. Thank you, Maria. Would you like me to restate the question? Yeah, fine. No, it's fine. You're fine? Okay, thank you. Thank you very much for giving, me, giving us all, in fact, the opportunity to be here with you this morning. I thought the young one was going to be here today. In fact, I was going to wear my buckle that's so uniform. But in, in lieu of that, in lieu of that uh, what I thought I'd do is that uh, I just kind of just let you know why I've got this uniform on here. This is my job right now. I, I outreach the veterans to, get, to make sure that they get their benefits. It's a very important piece. So I wear this uniform. Very, very important. The other thing is that uh, my wife wrote a little poem because I've run before. In fact, a number of occasions, a lot of times people tend to classify you as a perennial. But this is what she said. She said, I've been mocked for, for running for office so many times, but I've raised the consciousness of many people and politicians. And having run on next to zero budget, my ranking number has been impressive. On the flip side, I've acquired an enormous amount of knowledge along the way, plus my resume speaks for itself. So please vote your conscience. Vote for Bruce Richard, Oklahoma County Commission too. She did a good job. Okay. <laughs> now, as far as why I'm running, I'm running because I'm, I'm qualified. In fact, when you drive down the streets right now, our city looks pretty bad. We've got homelessness all over the place. That's one of the reasons why I'm running. I want to take them off the street. I want our city back. We need to clean our, our city up. That's a very, very important piece. How do we do that? Wapato. We've been talking about Wapato for years. I'm running because of Wapato. Wapato is in this district. I'm going to open up that place for shelter, for homelessness. And we need something for mental illness, another issue aspect of it. My son, in fact, uh, hung himself because of PTSD. I'm very sensitive about the whole issue of mental illness. The other thing about housing, if you drive down, drive down MLK, on Shaver MLK, you'll see a, a, a mural down there. That mural down there, I don't know if you expect it, nobody's built there. Actually, 
did that on the, on, on, on the Austin. But my point is that he did that a little short. But anyway, then I got, well, I did, I built all the park apartments, went back, back in the police department. And anyway, I'm ready and I'm prepared and I'm ready to go to work. Thank you. Thank you, Bruce. Thank you, Walter. For giving us a chance to get to know you better. I'm going to go straight to the next question. And Bruce, you'll be first. District 2 extends above I-84 from St. John's through Park Rose. This represents a very diverse community. What would you prioritize in your first three months in the county seat? What is your, and, and what is on your agenda? What would you do to get those things done? And how will you utilize critical race theory towards a more racially equitable region? Well, in all due respect, again, I want to clean this city up. We're all exhausted. We're all upset about the fact that where this city is. We got too many people on the streets. Drive anywhere and you see homelessness, homelessness, homelessness. I want to pick them up. And then say, where are you going to put it, Bruce? Okay, fine. While I'm, while I'm at an SSU, Marvin Wapato, it's going to probably be about a million bucks. You pick them up. And then guess what? It's the sheriff's responsibility because the sheriff is supposed to basically, he's the jailer. He's supposed to provide housing wherever he puts them. But we're going to take them off the street and get them. We need to know who's on the street. A very, very important piece. So that's basically my first priority, to clean this city up to start with. The summer's going to be coming on at this point in time. We're going to have ideas to take those needles, if you will, off your yards, off the streets, and this, that, and the other. And I, we, we got to help these folks. We got a problem. That, that would be my first priority, and that's what I would do. Thank you, Bruce. Sharon, you're next. Would you like me to restate the question? Sure. What would you prioritize in your first three months in the county seat, and what is on your agenda? What would you do to get those things done, and how will you utilize critical race theory towards a more racially equitable region? Great, thank you very much, Fabri. Well, first of all, I would do a audit of all county services. Um, the first three things that I will be focusing on are the top three county missions, will be mental health, public safety, and public health. All of those are interdependent um, and interrelated. First of all, we have a housing emergency. Many people in District 2 have been, are being displaced and we're being gentrified out of the community. I would look at that, at, at the audit to verify what programs, what they're doing, assess uh, right now what people actually need because most of the people out on the street are either having mental breakdowns, they're without resources, and so I would focus on community health workers. I believe that we need more community health workers responding to the housing crisis and not the police. Um, as a contractor, um, I firsthand have witnessed the fact that um, going to these transient and tent sites, um, my company, we build the transient fences to keep them out. And many times when we would get there in the morning, um, I was able to ask many of the people, why are you here? And they would say, we've given up. I want to speak to that through the county services. No person living should die on the inside. Thank you. Thank you, Sharon. Sushila, will be next. Would you like me to restate the question? No, thank you. Okay, thank you. My top priorities are housing, jobs, and rethinking our justice system. With respect to all of those areas, we know that where we are today is the result of systematic racism in the systems that govern housing, jobs, and justice. Um, this is an incredibly diverse district. I love that about it. Um, it's perhaps the most diverse district in the county. 
and the systematic the structures that have created such profound disparities across all of those subject areas apply for all of the people in this district. Um, in the first three months, I think, to be honest, my first task is going to be to understand the county and how it works and figure out how I can leverage my position the best to make change within a very large system. Um, and I would start by doing that with a focus on housing. I think housing has got to be first for any elected official in this community. The effects of displacement and gentrification on who is homeless, who is houseless, are evident to all of us. We don't need a lot more data. We know what the answers are there. And my focus in housing is gonna to be to keep people in the housing they already have. We know we've gotta address housing across multiple uh, layers. We've gotta provide shelter. We've gotta build more housing. And I believe we really need to put more focus on prevention. Let's keep people in housing that they already have. Let's provide subsidies. Let's provide local housing vouchers. And I think that could be an incredible tool in terms of limiting, stemming the flow of displacement that we're seeing across the district. Thank you. Thank you, Sushita. Maria, would you like me to restate the question for you? Thank you. So what I have experienced everywhere I go and every forum we go, and I participate, and I understand people are anxious to get answers, straight answers, but we need to understand, as Sushita commented, that once we get into office, things change because we can plan, we can dream, we can suggest, we can make these changes, the reality is that we, do, we need to understand till what extent we have the power and the capacity as commissioners to really uh, take action into all these promises that we're doing, right? So it's important to get trained to, to understand how the system works once we're in there. I see, like everybody else, the housing and homelessness problem. We need to prioritize the long-term housing within uh, I'm sorry, with on-site uh, services. We need to provide physical address to homeless people. They need to stop moving them. We need to stop the sweeps because they need to receive their social security, they need to receive uh, their doctor's appointments, they need a physical address. So we need also to um, confront institutional discrimination and ensure um, uh, work, uh, workplace equity in place, uh, we are suffering a lot of racism everywhere we go, and that has to change. Uh, we need to end police brutality. We have to influence that because they are killing our kids, and that's unacceptable. And we need to be able to raise our voice and say, stop. I work with mothers that have uh, lost their kids by police brutality, and it's heartbreaking. That has to stop, definitely. That has to stop, and we have to influence that change. We have to help people entangled in the justice system who are afraid of deportation. It's a serious issue. Our communities, our families are being separated. Our kids are not attending school. It's a serious issue. We need to address this as soon as possible. Thank you. Thank you, Maria. For our next question, Sushila, you'll go first. Poverty seems to have an almost immediate and direct negative impact on the social determinants of health. What is your strategy to redress poverty that will center older adults and those most vulnerable in our community today? Thank you. When I think about the constellation of issues that we're facing, what I think about most um, these days is about community. 
and specifically about the fraying of community. So I mentioned that I'm from India. Uh, I've lived here 40 years. My parents still live in India. They, they've never wanted to move here. When I go back, I have an instant sense of ease. I am back around people that look like me. I am among familiar foods and familiar smells. And I watch my parents, who are in their 70s and 80s, and how they are sustained by being within a network of community. And so when I think about poverty, I also think about community, and I think about why it is that people of color are overrepresented among people in poverty. Why people of color are overrepresented in homelessness, even beyond the numbers of folks of color that are poor, it's a greater percentage represented in homelessness. And it has to do with the fracturing of community. So when I think about elders, um, you know, I think they've got specific needs, transportation, um, access to, to health care. I also think what we need to make sure of is that they are not in social isolation, that we find ways to do all of those things so that we're bringing our elders into community with us and finding ways to create those networks, those social networks that keep us together, that hold us up in times when we might otherwise fall through into poverty. So. There are specific needs that elders have around transportation and connection and healthcare. I think we need to meet those needs and we need to do it with a deeper purpose of connecting community and connecting elders to community. Thank you, Sushila. Next, we'll go to you, Maria. Would you like me to repeat the question? Poverty seems to have an almost immediate and direct negative impact on the social determinants of health. What is your strategy to redress poverty that will center older adults and those most vulnerable in our community today. Thank you. Many of the issues, social issues that we're having are a consequence of poverty and exploitation in our communities. Um, drug abuse comes from poverty, most of it, right? When our, in our communities, we don't have the parents taking care of their kids, and all this around our kids are gangs and this type of influence, most likely our kids are gonna end up there in a gang affiliation, um, drug uh, distribution and sales of it. We need to stop that. We need to create jobs. We need to give incentives our, to our kids to learn how to be productive, how to learn other things besides school. We need to increase um, after school programs our kids don't have the, the knowledge and the skills that we grew up with, right? Uh, we need to offer that. They have other talents, but we need to be able to offer after-school programming that is effective. They need to learn how to invest. They need to learn how to handle money. We need to um, strengthen our local business. We need to offer them incentives. As a local business, I know the importance of uh, having a healthy business. You need money, sometimes it's challenging to get those loans, right? Um, we need to support our elder community. Yes, transportation is an issue, yes. But they also want to be treated as adults. They don't want to be treated as kids. They like to play bingo, yes. But they're full of experience, and their experience is important. We need to bring them to the table. I have visited many senior centers. And they all say the same. We want to be engaged. We have so much to offer. We want to we wanna see kids coming here. We want teenagers. We want to teach them how to cook. We want to teach them how to read. That's an investment right there. We already have the people in our community. We need to open the doors for these um, gentlemen and ladies to 
to connect with our um, with our youth. Thank you. Thank you so much, Maria. Next we have you, Bruce. Would you like me to restate the question? Okay, thank you. you know, in all due respect, <clears throat> you know, talk is good, but you got to go out there and put your hands on it. I went out to several of the senior citizens' homes where they live inside. This is it's horrible. It's horrible how they live. They want to stay in their home. You know, the violence that that. But the fact of the matter is, they're not being assisted. I want to audit that program. It's really a sad note. In fact, go down eat eat dinner or eat lunch at one of the senior citizen centers, especially this one right here on MLK and Gildersworth. Look at the food they're eating. Don't get me wrong. I want to improve that too. I want to make sure they get good food in all three of the facilities here in this district. As far as jobs, I don't have to tell you anything. Drive down to Williams and Vancouver. Look at all those men. Look at all those high-rise apartments. Folks that are going up. How many people, black folks, do you see working on those jobs? How many? Now, very few. You have to look for them. And even people, even brown folks, Mexicans. All due respect. My point is that I want another audit, if you will, to find out whether or not, in fact, blacks are going to get those jobs. When the planning, when they get their, when they get their permit, they got to specifically state, specifically show, in fact, that people of color and people across the and poor folks will be working on those jobs from Portland, Oregon, in district number two. Thank you, Bruce. Sharon, would you like me to restate the question? Sure. Poverty seems to have an almost immediate and direct negative impact on the social determinants of health. What is your strategy to redress poverty that will center older adults and those most vulnerable in our community today? Great, thank you very much, Sabri. So first of all, let's just cut to the chase of the elephant in the room. We have a systemic problem here. When they drove that red line around this District 2 and dismantled our families from 1980 on, um, definitely families, uh, people of color, and low-income folks, um, there was a dismantling of the foundation. So what I would be focusing on as commissioner is making sure we, we re, excuse me, I'm getting tongue tied. We rewrite our own narrative. Economically, um, when you look at the data from the county and the city for the last 50 years, the incomes have stayed the same. What I want to be able to do is convene with our business leaders, the corporations, and with Portland Public Schools. There is no achievement gap. What there is is a lack of investment to make sure that our children, first of all, are getting the 21st century education that connects to their career futures, and that our seniors are uh, getting the services that they need to plan way before they reach their senior years. We need to have an intergenerational plan that connects families back because there has been a fracturing of our families and that's what I would be focusing on as a priority to make sure that the economic piece is the strength of any foundation. Thank you, Sharon. For our next question, Maria, you'll go first. It has been said that a budget is not just a financial document, but a moral one. That reflects the values and priorities of the elected officials. As budget season progresses, what aspects of the county budget are you following most closely, and what are your primary priorities for fiscal year 18-19? Well, definitely, that's a, a, a complex. <laughs> um, it's a complex uh, situation because uh, the needs in the district 
are very well. And we are talking about the budget, specific numbers, where the money is going to go. Um, we have major investment going into policing, into sheriffs, into jails. That has to be adjusted. It's way too much. And we go back to the uh, criminalization of our communities, right? We need to invest more in uh, the health uh, issue. And that's actually what Monoma County does. It delivers services, right? We are not creating the, you know, uh, another wheel here. We're delivering services, health services. And part of the health is having our people walking free on the streets, healthy, having our kids growing healthy, not in jail. Definitely has to be a big adjustment in how the money is being distributed in that aspect. We need to invest more in health, community unity. We need to allow our parents to spend more time hiking with their kids, interacting with them. That's part of our health. They need to explore our surroundings. That's part of our health. It's part of our nature. We need to invest in campaigns that help our community to come up with ideas of how to interact with their family, how to be healthy, and not be thinking about, you know, kids now are thinking that they're going to end up in jail. I hear them. I see them. No. A kid has to be in school, studying, being a kid, not criminalized. So we have to deviate some of those funds into health for our, our community. Thank you. Thank you, Maria. Next, we'll go to Bruce. Do you want me to restate the question? No, I'm fine. Okay. Well, first of all, we were talking about a $2 billion budget. $2 billion for the county. We've got four districts. As far as I'm concerned for fairness, it's divided by four to start with. Then I, can, then I don't know what to do with the $500 million. I'll make sure that's why I'm, I'm saying that I will do something about laboratory immediately. I figured it out, it'll take about a million bucks to rehab it so that we'll have some place for those folks to go into. That's one thing. Mm -hmm. Then I'll invest in getting more money, if you will, you know, soon as you see the citizen condition, for sure. And the same thing, you know, you gotta be able to look at the numbers. We've got an elected official for the heart for this for this state, for, for the for the county. And all you do is you get your base. But you can't, you, there's no way in the world you can basically try to supervise all the various responsibilities and agencies within the district. But you can't read that budget. And if I'm in there, I'll make sure. And once I get that $400 million, I'll prioritize that money and you'll see the difference in how you live here within district number two. The other thing I'll, I'll say to you also too, district 18, whether you recognize this or not, was put together in all due respect by the black community. When I was publisher of the Portland Church, district 18, district 18, and a lot of those monies that were going to district 18 for, because of the federal government aspect of it, was taken out of that community and put elsewhere. I'll make sure that those monies are still there. And we won't have any gentrification in this community, especially District 18. Thank you. Thank you, Bruce. Sharon, you're next. Would you like me to restate the question? Yes. It has been said that a budget is not just a financial document, but a moral one that reflects the values and priorities of our elected officials. As budget season progresses, what aspects of the county budgets are you following most closely, and what are your primary priorities for fiscal year 18-19? Great, thank you, Shabri. So, like I said before, um, the three areas that I will be focusing on as commissioner 
will be the mental health piece, the public safety, and the, pub and the public health. Um, we need to focus on prevention versus intervention. When I look at the budget right now, public safety, which is the DA's office, the sheriffs, and the judges, they're getting 45% of all county dollars. That's unacceptable. And those dollars that they're receiving are all focusing on intervention, on focusing on making sure that people are locked up and put in jail. Uh, we've watched that story for the last 35 years and it hasn't worked. So I wanna make sure that we uh, redirect those dollars to uh, mental health and public, uh, public health to make sure that we have community health workers out in the community helping families to, uh, for the right of return back to District 2. The fact that um, many of us have wanted to rebuild this community that we've lived in all of our lives um, that have lived here and the fact that there was a plan to even displace us out of the community. We watched it when Summer Courts, when the Columbia Villa all got remodeled and they told those people that they would be able to return once they finished that and no, they have not been able to finish. And the fact that when you see in Gresham and the Outer East, um, there is a fight, flight and flight of the middle class families and businesses and so they've seen this for the last 10 years and the county hasn't addressed it. So I will advocate and be a strong champion to make sure that we focus on making sure that the dollars are truly impacting families so that they can start businesses, that people can be able to reinvent themselves and change their economic trajectory. Thank you, Sharon. Sushila, would you like me to restate the question? Thank you. Um, I do believe that, that budgets are moral documents. I think we pay what we care for. And looking at what gets cut and what gets added tells us a lot about what we care for. My priorities will be communities in greatest need. And we can measure need in any number of ways. We can measure it by health outcomes. We can measure it by poverty. We can measure it by health educational outcomes. We need to prioritize our communities that are in greatest need, and those are our communities of color. We also need to focus on root causes. Too much of what we do ends up with people simply cycling through a system. We provide a service, maybe it's shelter, maybe it's homelessness services, but we haven't really moved that person on a pathway to success. We're cycling through the system. We need to focus on root causes. To me, I come back to family stability. I think family stability is one of the root causes of poverty. And um, when you look at family stability, what that says is we need to invest as early as possible. We need to invest in maternal health. We need to invest in early childhood. Those are the things that are gonna create stability in families that will get to some root causes. And third, I think we need to intervene as early as we possibly can. It's like, the, it's like in medicine, we finally learned that it's better to get preventive care than to go to the emergency room. We need to apply that principle across all the services we provide. And as an example, I'll go to housing and homelessness. If we can keep people in housing they already have, stabilize them, whether it's elders, folks in danger of displacement, if we can keep people in housing they already have, that'll be cheaper and more effective in the long run than allowing them to fall into homelessness and having to help them at that point. So need, root causes, and early intervention, prevention, where at all possible. Those will be the ways that I will look at a budget. Thank you, Sushila. 
We'll have one more question before we uh, ask for closing statements. So this next question uh, comes from many that come to us online. There were a host of questions, and so for all of those who use the form, the online form to submit questions, thank you so much. Um, we have many, many, many questions, so I obviously will not be able to get to all of those, but I will ask this one, and um, then we will go ahead and present the candidates with these questions so that they will have a chance to answer them at a later date for you. Uh, Sharon, will go first with this one. What role should the county play in supporting our public school system? Give an example of a problem in a school district, uh, in a school within the district, uh, within the county district two, what it's facing and how the county can provide enhanced support, specifically recognizing that anti-blackness is real and has continued to come up in recent studies within the county. Can you read that one more time? What role should the county play in supporting our public school system? Give an example of a problem within a school in County District 2, what it's facing, and how the county can provide enhanced support, particularly recognizing that anti-blackness is real and has been pervasive in recent studies. Well, I think that goes to say that the narrative, we have to be in, in control of our own narrative as a people, and I think that's where the county's position really needs to focus on um, and, and, and addressing at the root the systemic racism that we know is apparent of the practice and patterns that the county has um, been doing with its own employees. Um, we've heard the county chair call a black woman out of her name, the B word. Um, we've seen Ms. Tricia Tillman, a highest ranking African American, fired from her job with no cause. Uh, we've seen Ms. Amanda Lamb, another county employee who was asked to do a, her job, fired for doing just that same job. We, we need the merit system for the county employees and the ombudsman, but for our school system to make sure that our children are learning, we need to make sure that every child has a plan, but we need to invest in it. And I actually wrote a book called The Investment Portfolio that helps our young people connect their education to their career future. I think when our young people recognize that they have the ability to contribute and be successful, and that's where our investment goes, then they're going to excel. That was the whole thing with my opening statement is we have to have a higher expectation for our children. When I went out to Gresham and I met a child in the fifth grade and he told me he was on probation, I'm like, on probation? That's unacceptable to me. So part of my platform is strengthening families, making sure that mothers and fathers have a viable job so that they can role model for their children the expectation that they go to school for knowing that they can one day expect to have full employment and contribute to this area. Thank you. Thank you, Sharon. Sushila, would you like to restate the question? What role should the county play in supporting our public school system? Give an example of a problem within a school here in the county district two, what it's facing and how the county can provide enhanced support, especially recognizing that anti-blackness is real and has proven pervasive in recent studies. I think the county has a huge role to play in our education system, notwithstanding the fact that, of course, Portland Public School District manages the schools. Um, I was recently out at George Middle School and visited with Principal Robert Robinson, who's doing a fabulous job there. 
in, in some difficult circumstances. And I was lucky enough to sit in on a conference that he was having with the folks at New Columbia. 30% of his students come from New Columbia. And at the school, they've been noticing a lot of discipline problems or uh, behavioral issues, uh, you know, kids fighting at school. And it occurred to them that the folks in New Columbia were likely also seeing the same families and the same children. And so they had a conference where they sat together with the housing authority people and the school team to talk about what they were seeing and what they might be able to address. And the single need, the single most important need identified was mental health support. Mental health supports, not handing somebody a referral, not handing a family a referral and saying, go find it, but finding ways to put mental health counselors back in the schools that used to have them. So that's a very concrete example of something that I think the county can work with the school system on. Um, I think it's, it's, it's fundamental. There's also the Sun School System. I'm a huge fan of Schools United Neighborhoods. This is a community school system that the county funds and manages to provide both after-school enrichment and academic support, but also family support. We could build that out. Maybe we could provide more financial literacy for families. Let's talk to families about what they need and see if we can build that system out. We've already got children coming, we've already got parents coming. What more can we do to support all of our children and our families in being successful? Thank you. Thank you, Sushila. Maria, you'll be next. Would you like to ask a question? Okay, thank you. Thank you. So we know that Portland Public School is uh, um, an independent identity, right? And, um, there's this big disconnection between the county and Portland Public Schools. Mm -hmm. I know because I talked to um, uh, the uh, board members and three of them say we are disconnected. We would like to be more connected. Really, I don't know how we can work together, right? So that has to change. Um, working through the sun system is, is very effective because it's something that is already in place and we're talking about delivering services for the kids, for the parents, right? Um, we have to um, teach our kids, right, and as a commissioner, I really would like to send the message that they have to be very proud of who they are. If they want to change, we want to change racism, we have to start accepting who we are, the way we look, the color of our skin, our accent, who we are as individuals. The, the kids see this. Our kids are lacking of confidence right now. They don't want to speak Spanish, they don't want to speak their mother language because they're being pointed at, because they're being judged, because they're being criticized, and many times by their own teachers. I am the former president of Anshu Portland, a, a, a community action organization focused on social justice. We work with kids directly. Last week, well, yeah, not today, uh, this week, I'm sorry, I was advocating for a Latino student at Franklin uh, School who was criminalized by the um, teachers, right? So the problem was solved, but what is insulting is when the teacher is asking this uh, Mexican boy, do you have dreams? Do you wanna go to college? Do you wanna do something with your life? That's insulting. Because why are you profiling this boy just because he's Mexican, just because you know he speaks a different language because of his background? The kid, didn't know what to answer and how to answer it. And they're very simple questions. But many, many issues that we're having with our kids come from the schools and the parents. We have to reinforce the identity of our kids. 
So as a commissioner, I want to send a message. I want the kids to see that they have to be very proud of who they are, where they come from, and they have the keys to, uh, to fight racism. Thank you. Bruce? Okay, I'll just jump right into it. Okay. I'm very familiar with Sun School. I work very closely with Sun School. And the bottom line is that before Sun School, there was vocational education. Vocational education. What happened about the young males? We need vocab. We need, to, we, need to, we need to train them in the trades. We have to be creative nowadays. Get the trades involved. We got metal workers, heart carpenters, the whole nine yards. Put them in the school. They even have schools outside of schools. That cost the county any money. And I'm thinking about one thing that I jumped on right off the bat was the water. Remember the water system, the lead system in our schools? Okay? Remember they said something about they were going to make sure that those kids were going to get good water? What if there was plumbers in the school on the vocation aspect of it? They could have been very creative and got some pipes in there and get that clean water. You know what they're doing right now today? Bottled water. Bottled water. And these kids have to get little, little cups, if you will. Not cups, actually, you know the one you just drink out and just throw it up and throw it away aspect of it? Is that sanitary? They don't even have clean water in the schools yet, but they're building all kinds of schools. Uh, all due respect, west of, if you're west of, uh, of the area of district number two. So the bottom line is that let's get bulkhead back in our schools. Create some jobs, no summer, no summer program. Let's create some jobs for these kids. Thank you, Bruce. Okay, so I want to make certain that you guys all have a chance to give a closing statement. Um, before that, Okay, I'm going to do one last question from our, um, from our questions from online, and we'll ask you guys to get to those, and then we'll go to closing statements directly after that. Okay, we're going to do a live audience question, which is the plan, but I didn't see Nikki, and so I was just going to roll with it, because that's what good moderators do, right? Um, does anyone in the audience have a question that they would just like to ask, or have, they, have we submitted um, Social services on the street instead of police. 
We need more health workers on the street, no police. We need a transitional uh, home for uh, people living in jails and um, youth. You know, we have all these kids coming from a foster care system, and there's really no much support. They don't really have a transitional place where they can, a program that they can go and participate. Um, we have a few places, actually, I know actually one here on Northeast that is doing an amazing job, D4. Um, they're receiving all these youth coming from uh, recovering uh, 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 programs, right? And they feel very secure in this place because they are around the same age, all of them. They don't want to go to other shelters, they don't want to go to other recovery centers because they don't feel that they fit there. So we need to create these safe spaces for all these groups of um, individuals uh, coming from recovery centers or going through recovery or coming from jail. We need to create specific uh, programming spaces for them. We need to increase more health workers and we, we have to stop criminalizing these people that are suffering from mental health crisis. Thank you, Maria. Sharon, can you respond to the question? Sure, thank you. Thank you, Kevin, for your comment and um, for the question as well. Um, what I really feel that needs to happen is that the, as a commissioner, I would convene uh, town halls and forums and invite those managers to attend some of those and engaging the public to have listening sessions. Um, I think too, for too long, um, the county's employees are really disconnected. Um, if you drive down to Broadway at about five o'clock in the evening, um, you'll see there's an exodus of cars that come into District 2, but about 5.30, they leave this area. And so most of the um, county workers, a lot of them don't even live in this area, so they're disconnected from the people and the reality. And so I think that's part of the problem is that we need to make sure that we value all people. Thank you, Sharon. Sushila? Thank you, Kevin, for the question. Um, a few things. First, we need to treat mental health as physical health. We need to treat it as being just as important as physical health. Secondly, we absolutely need to have people in those positions who understand, who come from the communities that they serve, and that applies to all of the services that we provide. Um, I think engagement with community is terrific, but engagement needs to be more than simply meeting and hearing. We need to then have action plans and change policy and practice. And there's no better way to do that than to have people who've experienced um, what it is that we are trying to serve in positions to, to make those changes. Um, and the third piece I would say is we need to get all of those services working more closely together. I think that's an enormous opportunity. Um, any organization has gaps among services. The county is no different. And figuring out a way to make it easier for the folks who access multiple services to, to, to be able to navigate that system, I think also needs to be a priority and will be a priority of mine. Thank you. Thank you, Sushi. Bruce? Okay, my, my, position, my position on that is that, and thanks for, thanks for the question, the bottom line is that, in fact, he's going to be on my, on my show, the Oregon Voters Digest. And for the last 20 years in this state, I've been doing interviews of issues. And a good example of that in terms of effectiveness, that I, when I found for office, I've been at the county commission hearing every Thursday. You get three minutes. How can you express yourself in three minutes? 
to understand what the issue is. He needs at least, and that person needs at least 30 minutes or so to really dig down and, and find out what the issue is. This is the government of the people, by the people, and for the people. And when I get back, and when, I, when I'm sitting in that seat, I'm going I'm to continue the Oregon Voters Digest aspect of it. I want to make sure that those ideas are brought to the public, to the public, so they can put pressure on the politicians. We don't need politicians, we need leaders. Thank you. Thank you, Bruce. So thank, uh, thanks to all the candidates for the answering of all the questions, those that came uh, randomly and those that came Supposing over here. Mr. Posey, I'm sorry, you, you, you want to get on that? Okay, so thank you. We'll go ahead and take this question, and then soon after that, we'll go ahead with closing statements, and we'll try to stay on, on schedule. Mr. Posey, your question? Yeah. You all uh, know that you all are only one of several county commissioners, and typically, you know, all the good talking you all are doing here tonight sounds good, but at the end of the day, you have to convince other county commissioners who are, are from outside of your district. So the question is, is what in your personality, your background, your ability to coordinate with other folk to get along to actually get something achieved can make you be in that position? How do you propose to do that? How do you actually propose to get anything done based upon your ability to get along and convince the other commissioners? Oh, thank you, Mr. Posey. Thank you. I'll take that first. As a contractor um, as and a woman, um, I've had this opportunity over the last 20 years, being in a non-traditional trade, working with men who a lot of times have not wanted me there. I continue to press forward, and I'm bringing that unique skill set as county commissioner, as a businesswoman, also as a nonprofit founder. I, I uh, founded two nonprofits, and I convened stakeholders, the House of Shalom, which is a temporary housing shelter program for people who are houseless and homeless in this in district too, as well as a summer youth work program providing summer jobs for young people 11 and 26. I was able to recruit from the district two and all over the city homeowners for projects for our young people to connect their education to their career future. And as county commissioner, that's what I'll be doing is working with the other commissioners to make sure that we are convening businesses, corporations, all stakeholders, organizations to make sure that we're getting the best bang for county dollars. Thank you. Thank you. Um, can we have Maria next? Thank you, and I'm so grateful that you express yourself that way because it is very challenging. I am not a state politician, okay? I'm a community server. So I am a business owner, right? I'm an immigrant, as you can tell, my accent tells, you know, where I'm from, I'm from Mexico. So I know what it is to be challenged. I know what it is being uh, told, no, you're not worth. I know what it is to be told, no, you're nobody without me. All those nasty comments and, and, and insults that a man can tell a woman, I have received them because I endure uh, domestic violence. So I know what it is, I know the challenges, right? But it's my resistance, my resilience that has me here because I know how to fight. And I know it's challenging when you have other three, four commissioners there, right? That they've been selected by the people and by their friends also, 
right? Because we know how it is. You know, I'm from Mexico, very corrupted uh, place, but I recognize corruption also. Mm -hmm. And I know what it is, and I know how it is. So I'm here representing the people, working for the people, because I work with them. I do own a business, but I know the challenges of my community, of your community. Last month, 14 years of your community were killed, and we didn't read that in the newspapers. The commissioners, they didn't say anything. Nobody say, I'm sorry for your loss. Come on. Nobody say that, and that's shameful. And I have no problem telling the, telling the commissioner, the head of them, all of them, shame on you because you are not standing with your people. And I'm sorry my voice is breaking because this is upsetting. What our communities are going through is disgusting. We need respect and we need to bring back that humanity of our own people. All those homeless living on the street, I get affected by that because they come to my shop and it breaks my heart. Okay, it breaks my heart because it's not their fault. It's a system that has, you know, has us here. So it takes courage, it takes dignity and high moral to have those uh, courageous conversations. And I believe me, believe me, sir, that I'm one of those. I have no problem speaking my mind. Thank you. Thank you, Maria. Bruce, Sorry about that. I had my attention a good example of that back to homeless aspect of it. We're seeing these folks out there, and it's deplorable. Folks, the way they're living out there right now, okay? So what would I do? We have to be creative. And like Mr. Cozy said, I'm in district number two. What would Bruce Broussard do? Because of my background and my resume of United Way, as you know, the United Way has changed its concept, meaning that you can dedicate your funds wherever you want to now, okay? What about adopt the senior program? What about adopt the senior program? Doesn't cost the, 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 doesn't cost the county any money, but the bottom line, I can pick up those dollars. And in fact, it would offset that million dollars that I'll be looking for to, to, to rehab Wapato to get them off the street. What about those needles that are flowing out along the streets and this, that, and the other? The kids are picking them up and the, and the dogs and the animals and this, that, and the other. We've got a Bible program. We got a Bible program. Guess what? District two. Say, look. If they can pick up the bottles, you don't see bottles and cans on the why can't they pick up the needle and put 25 cents on each needle? You gotta be creative. My point is not just a resume, if you will. That's one of the problems we have with picking our leadership. What we need to do is make sure that when we develop a criteria for running for office, that the resume of the person has to fit. It has to fit. You have to have a more hands-on kind of situation than just IE in educational format. Don't get me wrong, I'm not anti-education. But we're looking for people that got ideas that can make sure to solve these issues that we're looking at right now. We're stressed. You can't get up and go to work in the morning. Look at downtown. Those folks shouldn't be down there. They, don't they shouldn't be. It should be a place for you to have fun. IE, get away for a while. But the bottom line is that you've got to be creative. You've got to make sure you know what the heck you're doing. You, you have to build a building. You have to basically hire somebody. You have to be together with those developers and whatever. It's not an easy task, folks. So therefore, make sure when you choose someone, you choose Bruce Broussard to sit in that seat. Thank you. Thanks for the question, James. I think in any situation where you're trying to persuade people to do things that they don't necessarily understand or perhaps start out they don't want to do, you've got to do several things. You've got to be really clear about what your core values are and what it is that you want to accomplish. And you have to be able to stick to that through a long process. 
You have to be able to push and persuade at the same time. You've got to push the people who need pushing. You've got to bring people on your side by explaining why what the solutions you're suggesting make sense. And all along the way, you've got to insist, here's why we're doing it. We're doing it for the sake of equity. We're doing it for the sake of justice. Is what you're proposing going to get us there? If not, let me suggest another way. Here's how we get there. I have experience in doing that. I served on the board of the Regional Arts and Culture Commission. When I got on that board, I learned that 80% of the funding that was going out, public tax dollars, was going out to the largest five arts organizations in town. Through an 18-month process, I insisted that we reconsider that and consider who we serve. We serve the people of this region. And if we serve all the people of this region, we need to rethink how we're investing our public tax dollars. There was opposition on the board, there was opposition even among some staff, but by a process of looking at data, identifying solutions, and just insisting, 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 persuading, calling each board member, we were able to shift funding to invest in culturally specific arts organizations and in communities of color. That's what I would bring, insistence, strict adherence to my core values, and the ability to work with people. Thank you. Thank you all. And thank you for the questions. We will give each candidate two minutes to give us a closing statement, and this, and then this will uh, conclude the county portion of today's event. And so we'll go ahead and start out again in um, based upon when you all filed. And so Maria um, Garcia, we'd like to ask you to give your closing statement first, please. Thank you. Well, thank you very much for opening the doors of su casa, right? Su casa, mi casa. And I want you to keep that in mind. Mi casa es tu casa, right? As a commissioner, that's our house. That's our building. It's our casa. So I want you. I want you to know that for me, in order to make the changes that we need, I need you to help me. I need you to be there with me. Yes, I'm not a state politician. I don't want to be a state politician. I want to be a public servant. We need that. We need leaders that are sending the, sending the positive message that our kids are going to look after because they're observing us, right? We need to create a sense of uh, community unity. We need to invest in values. We need to fight. We need to fight for our lives. We've been doing that for so long. I've been doing it for a long time. So I ask you to please support me. I ask you to please check the website, Maria Formonoma, the Facebook page, same Maria Formonoma Company. Look at the values, look what I have worked with. I have served the Mexican diaspora here when I work in the Mexican consulate. I'm a former president of uh, Don't Shoot Portland, a community organization, uh, uh, justice, uh, uh, social justice uh, organization, and you're very familiar with it. I am connected with the community but it takes the entire community, it takes a person with courage, dignity, and ethics to be there in our casa. We need to take back what is ours. All I'm asking you is to please, please connect with yourself. What is it that you want for you and for your kids? And fight for it. And in spite of who you decide to vote for, please be aware of who's around you. If you see somebody in need, help. Don't be complacent, please. Let's, let's change our narrative. Thank you. Thank you so much. Sushila? Thank you. Thank you all so much for being here. It really was a pleasure. 
Um, you know, I mentioned that part of what motivated me to run was the call to deeper action that came out of the 2016 election. I had never contemplated running for office before. If you had asked me a year ago whether I would be up here doing this, I would have said, hell no. Um, you know, I, what, what changed for me was recognizing that the things that were concerning me, the things I felt urgent about, about our communities being pushed out of this community, those aren't inevitable. It is not inevitable that we are where we are. Where we are because of systems that were deliberately created to, to make the situation as it is. And the good news of that is that we can change it. We can make different policy choices, we can change our practices, we can change where we are. And that's what really motivated me to run. It gives me hope in the time of this administration. When people talk about resisting, this is my way of resisting. It's insisting here in Multnomah County that we build a county that reflects our values. Um, to solve some of these problems, it takes partnerships, it takes the support of all communities. I'm really pleased and proud with the support that my campaign has received. I have received the support of labor, of people in business, of community leaders from across district too. And what it takes to solve these problems is being able to harness those collaborations and bring solutions forward and, and move them through the system. I hope to have your support. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sushi. Bruce? Thank you. Thank you very much for being here with us. Appreciate that very much. My point is this, in fact, I'll say this spiel. He talked about the Arts Commission aspect of it. Uh, an artist, his name is Sam Sadiq. He drew those murals on shape in MLK. I've been fighting the city to try to get them to give them money from their Arts Commission to come in, i.e., and repair those, those paintings. Not only did they not repair them, they took one side of them off. Okay? So please, where were you doing that particular time? Okay. Secondly, when you talk about the union, you got all the support aspect of it. You're right. It's really a it's, it's, and I've been in this business for quite some time. You don't start getting support until you close the door and give everybody the opportunity to file. She got all the support from the unions before they even closed the door. Give me a break. I'm just trying to say to you, I've been going to those commission meetings of late, and all due respect, I don't like what I see. They need a man like me sitting up there. They need to bring, in fact, as far as I'm concerned, the chair should have been in every district, the chair should be in every district, given her so-called uh, end of the year, i.e., uh, I did, and also the commission, also the commissioner, who's for that district should have been in. In fact, it should be held right here, right here. District number two, the chair would be basically given her state of the union, if you will, for what has happened in this particular district, including the, including the commission. That's not happening. 15 miles away from you. Did you know anything about it? Nope. Maybe, maybe because she thought I wasn't going to be there. But I'll be there Thursday and I'll be asking her that question. Hope for Bruce Broussard. Thank you. Sharon? All right. Thank you so much. First of all, I have to speak to the fact that uh, Shashila said that she got the endorsements of all labor. Well, how, how is that the case? Uh, it sounds like corruption to me that her and her sister conspired and strong-armed the unions here, not even a union member. I'm a union member and a signatory union contractor. Uh, they vetted, did not vet all the candidates prior to giving endorsements. And once again, we see status quo being pushed. She talks a good game, but guess what? Uh, it's gonna be 
a lot more of what we've already seen. What we need is someone like me, Sharon Maxwell, 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 someone who has a track record of actually doing something. I didn't have to uh, wait for someone in 1993 to tell me to start a construction company, to go and become a carpenter and a sprinkler fitter. When I seen District 2 in shambles, destroyed and blighted, people's lives destroyed, 2,000 buildings boarded up, I said, if this community is going to change, it's going to take us, the people, to do it. And as your commissioner, I will advocate and be a strong voice for foundationally making sure economics is a part of that equation. For too long, the county, the city, uh, they're both negligent in making sure that communities of color and people in District 2 uh, have gotten their fair share. I'm going to be right there at the table to make sure, with a strong voice, to advocate that we are getting those county dollars going to the community organizations. But not only that, it's really about making sure that people are getting jobs. If you are not making a living wage, and I'm not talking about $15 an hour, I'm talking about educationally getting a college degree or into a trade and so that you're able not to have to depend on social services, yes, we have to change that narrative. And as your county commissioner, that's what I'll do, help change the narrative of District 2. Thank you. Thank you to all the candidates for taking the time to allow us to get to know you better. Um, those are closing statements, and so hopefully the time that they spent uh, in sharing their perspectives with you helped you to learn more about them so that you can make an informed choice uh, at the, uh, during, when you get your, your ballot. Um, I really want to uh, thank you again because a part of the work that Black Voices United is doing is to ensure that self-determination is something that we can do. And I do believe that today, through learning from all of you, uh, we've collectively moved forward in that journey. As we end today, um, I will share with you the motto that I live by, and it is, when you get, give, and when you learn, teach. And so hopefully you've garnered uh, something from, your, uh, from this uh, event today, and that you will use that again in your choice at the ballot. Well, it's not a ballot box, excuse me, when you receive your ballot in the mail. Thank you all. Can we please give a round of applause to the ballot? being so candid. Uh, you got good, did you catch that? Yeah, I got it. Yeah, my fifth graders would have loved it. <laughs> We're going to take a brief moment to break for a sec. Every page imperative, every verb now phrase character, every verb Yo. now <laughs> I was not ready for that to end. Like, if you was there live, man, oh my goodness. Uh, Sharon was ready to go. She wasn't having it. She wasn't playing no games. Nobody don't nobody want no smoke with Bruce Broussard. He was ready to go. Um, they was gonna turn this from a forum to the debate, and uh, I wanted it to go debate, but that's not what this event was about. You know what I mean? So, um, but at the end of the day, y'all heard it. It was it was good, very informative. Uh, I think we all got a good feel of who these people are, what they stand for, what motivates them, um, and why they may or may not be. The best fit. I think they all did great though. So um salute to all the all the candidates, Maria, Sushila, Bruce, and Sharon. Appreciate y'all uh for coming out on Saturday 
and and sharing everything that you had to share with us so um, once again they're running for Multnomah County Commissioner District 2 uh, session 2 was later on in the afternoon and that was for Portland City Council Commissioner position 3 so that's Joanne Hardesty Felicia Williams Andrea Valderrama, Loretta Smith, and Stuart Emmons. Um, so I will be posting that very soon. So if you're on SoundCloud, make sure you follow. If you're on iTunes, make sure you subscribe. So every time I release an episode, it's going to show up directly in your feed. All right. So appreciate y'all for listening. If you have any questions, man, hit me up at SXSNDLS on Instagram at SXSNDLS on Twitter. My personal Instagram, Emmanuel since 85. Man, on Facebook, Socks and Sandals Podcast, Emmanuel Williams. Just hit hit your boy up. Um, but most of all, most importantly, follow Black Voices PDX. And that's on Instagram and I believe and on Twitter at Black Voices PDX. All right. So follow the movement because we move it. I gave you the truest me, my truest speech, true and deep from the loosest leaves of my loose leaf. My flaws and all, see, I'm fragile with my grace, I am choosing peace over losing sleep, and I must say these sandals fit quite nicely over these pre-release. Nike sacks, Birkenstocks, oh what a faux pas, unmasked, unabashed, unashamed, uh, hear the voice set up unacclaimed, yeah, hear the voice set up unacclaimed, maybe that's a taboo, maybe.